Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you all for sure. I want to introduce a couple of people today. We're just going to have Mark come up now, Lindsay a little bit later. But Lindsay, just stand and wave to everybody so that they see you. All right. We're going to pray for these guys at the end of the service. But uh, it's been just a, a joy to get to know Mark and Lindsay and their commitment to ministry and developing a new ministry down in uh, Ocean Beach area. And he's going to be telling some of his story. I think he, he spoke at the retreat, right? Yeah, the men's retreat. So some of you got to know Mark a bit through that. But he's going to fire up the Word of God and also share with us very specifically a little bit about some of your journey, which it's been pretty incredible journey for sure. So it's great to have Mark with the uh, Alliance and church planting with us. And it's going to just be fantastic to hear from you. After the service, we want to pray for Mark and Lindsay, a, a commissioning prayer from us as you get to know them a bit. So I'm going to be inviting the elders to join us when that happens at the very end of the service. So, Mark, take it away. All right. Thank you, Bill. How's everybody doing? Yeah. Let me grab this, man. Love your enthusiasm. As you worship the Lord. Let's keep that going. You can say amen. You can say you can say just about anything. You can say, I'll invite you to dinner, Mark, and <laughs> make me even more. Hey, this isn't in my notes, but as I came in here today, I thought of a a, a verse, actually thought of a parable, actually thought of a story that Jesus uh, talked about in Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, Jesus is walking through different towns, and and he uh, uh, he goes to Capernaum, I believe, um, and these four men hear that Jesus is in the house, and they bring his friend, they bring him on a mat, and they lower him through, you probably know the story, lower him through the roof. But what I love about that story is the men say, uh, the Bible says it was heard that Jesus was in the house. And as I walked in here and as we worshiped and as we celebrated and as we looked to the Lord Jesus, Jesus is in the house today. Yeah. Jesus is here, and you can feel him. And, and I want to continue that, and I want to build on that, and I hope that you know that, and I hope you know him, and I hope you know him better after today uh, than you did as you walked in here. But, again, it's good to be here. I did get to meet a lot of the men uh, at the men's retreat, but now I get to meet the better half, the, the women of the <laughs> Awakening Church, right? Thank you, Bill, for the introduction. Uh, today I'm going to share a bit of my Jesus story, and it's really uh, uh, not a story about me. It's a story of how Jesus came and saved even a hell-bent sinner like me, uh, turned my life around, set me on fire for him and for his kingdom, and sent us to Ocean Beach to plant uh, a church. But what I want you to see is not me. Uh, I don't want you to see my story as being about me. I want you to see that it's all about Jesus. That's what we want to do in, in Ocean Beach, and that's what you want to do as a church here, is to make much of who Jesus Christ is. Um, But in my story, what I really want you to see is that it's through surrender um, that these things happened in my life. It's not because I was good. It's not because I did anything special. not because I'm anybody. It's because Jesus is special, and it's only because I surrendered to him. Uh, And surrender is a tough word. We're going to get deep into what that word means and what it biblically means, but that's a hard thing to do. It's a struggle uh, for me to surrender. I'm sure it's a struggle for people here uh, to surrender. It was a struggle for Jesus Christ himself at the end of his ministry to surrender fully to the Father as he looked in the garden. And I'm going to get into that story a little bit later. So you're in good company. If you struggle with surrendering, you're in good company with me, with Jesus, and with probably everybody around you. But I got to know the men really well at the retreat, but I want to get to know you as a church body just a little bit better. So I'm going to start the service this morning asking a couple questions. And what I want you to do is to keep your enthusiasm going and raise your hands 
and participate. And that's scary to do in church. But raise your hand as I ask these questions. This is a safe place. Let's just get that off the, uh, off the I hope it's a safe place, right? This is a church, right? I got a laugh from that, but um, I'm sure it's not what she meant. Uh, this is a safe place. Your secrets are safe here. What a better place to open up in, in church. And this should, should be. This is a place where it's got to be okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay there, right? It's okay to be not okay here because everybody's got something going on in their life. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Who here today uh, would admit that they struggle with relationships in their life, that there's some relationship in your life that you have, maybe your kids, your daughter, your son, your parents, your boss, your pastor, whatever it might be. There's a relationship that is broken, that is strained. So everybody, don't be shy, man. Raise your hand. What about fear? Anybody struggle with fear here today? Anybody struggle with anxiety? Anybody struggle with doubt? Anybody Anybody struggle with it? Keep them up, man. Just, just might as well just hold it high, right? Anybody struggle with unforgiveness? Anybody struggle with those things? So look around at, at, at your family here. Everybody pretty much raised their hand, right? At one point or another. If you didn't raise your hand, you're just not being honest because we all struggle with something, right? Right? You struggle with being honest. Josh, uh, <laughs> right up front, just admit it. Just throw it right out there. So that tells us a couple different things. Right? One thing it tells us, man, this is a jacked up church. You guys got all sorts of problems going on in here today. Uh, but another thing is, is it tells us that every single one of us has something we need to surrender to the Lord. Even as, as far as your walk might be today, there is still something that you're struggling with. And the best way to deal with your struggles is not try harder. It's to give those struggles and those needs and those things that you're worrying about, your anxieties, your fears, your doubts, your unforgiveness. You're lying. Give those things to the Lord. Surrender them to him. And that's really what this story is going to be uh, all about. And surrendering to the Lord is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Um, Many times in my life as I looked, um, not really even to the Lord because I didn't even know who the Lord was, but as I looked to surrender to somebody, I always fought against it. Man, I'm not going to surrender. That's a hard thing to do. That's a weak thing to do. That's what the world tells us. That's a weak thing to do. But you'll see in the Bible and through some of the stories that we're going to look at in the Bible, surrendering is the best thing that you can do. It's because when I'm weak, Jesus Christ is strong. And when I become weak and I lay my burdens and, my, and, my, and everything that's going on in my life down to his feet, then his strength comes and manifests itself in, in me. I'm not the one that's strong. Jesus Christ is strong. And you're going to see that over and over again in my life and in my story. And this promise is for you. This isn't just for you to hear and then walk out of here. I want you to see in the Bible, and then I want you to respond to what is happening in the Bible. Not my words. Uh, we're going to look straight at the Bible. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 14. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and... Open it up there or turn there, or if you have a device or something. If you don't, I'll, I'll read the verses that I'm going to really hit hard on. But I want you to see not from my experience, not from my words, not from my uh, own mind, but I want you to see from the Word of God that surrender is a good thing, and surrender is what God is calling us to over and over again. Uh, but again, sur- surrender is not something that's easy. It's not something that, that the world really grows to. It's not easy for, for me and you to, to give up control of our lives, even supposed control of our lives. We fight against those things. If, if there was movies being made right now of surrender, nobody's going to go and watch those movies. We want to see movies where, where, where people are valiant, where people take on the, the enemy, where people charge and they, they go forward and they move forward and they're always pressing on. Um, I love to, to watch movies. I used to love to watch movies even more. We have three sons. We have a nine-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. So right now, the movies that I'm watching all end in O, and they're all animated. I get to watch Nemo. I get to watch Rio, and I get to watch everything that Elmo ever made. Those are the movies. That, that's what's happening at our house. So those are the only movies I get to watch now. But when I could watch movies, I love to watch Braveheart. Men love Braveheart. 
No men love Braveheart. Okay, I'm going to tell you about Braveheart and tell you. There goes that analogy. All right. Braveheart is an awesome movie. All right. Perfect. Thank you, brother. Yeah, yeah. Save a brother up here. In Braveheart, uh, beautiful story. There's a love story in there. There's a, a guy that goes out. You, you, you really become more of a man when you watch Braveheart. You grow hair on your chest as you watch the movie. By the end of the movie, you've got hair in places you didn't even know you wanted to grow it. Uh, during Braveheart, in the middle, I should really go back to my notes, but during Braveheart, in the middle, <laughs> in the middle, William Wallace, played by Mel Gibson, gives this speech, right? Just gives this awe-inspiring, this action-oriented, gets these men. The, the, the Scottish army is going to go against the English. They're way outnumbered. They don't have the, the armor. They don't have the, uh, the, the, uh, the weapons that the English do, but he riles them up, and he just gives this crazy speech. And, man, after I watch that speech, I'm like, man, give me an axe. Put me on a horse. Paint my face blue. I'm ready to charge. Let's go do something. I don't care what we're doing, but let's go do something, right? Let's charge it. And even women can get into that movie because the guy's wearing a dress most of the, most of the movie, right? He's wearing a kilt. He's putting on makeup. So whatever you, whatever you, whoever you are, you can watch Braveheart. But what would happen if instead of that awe-inspiring, great motivational speech, what would happen is, is if the English army came and the, the uh, Scottish army came up against them? And what if William Wallace just said, man, I'm done? We're never going to win this battle. And he gets down on his knees, he, he, he raises the white flag, and he just surrenders to the British Army. What would happen then? A couple things might happen. One, nobody would go see that movie, right? <laughs> I was going to go watch a movie where the guy just lays it down. Two, I wouldn't be talking about that movie right now. Uh, and three, Mel Gibson would probably be flipping burgers somewhere in Hollywood instead of making multi-million dollar movies, right? Nobody's going to go and watch those kind of movies. Nobody wants to go and watch somebody just lay their life down. But listen to me. The best story that has ever been told starts with surrender. And the greatest story that will ever be told about your life and the greatest story that was ever told about my life starts and ends in surrender, surrendering to a God who loves us, a God who is for us, and a God who wants what's best to come out of the circumstances of our lives. Surrender. So that's where we're going to really hit and, and, and go heavily into it. Again, the greatest story that can ever be told, the greatest story that was ever written, starts with surrender. So if you have your Bibles, again, turn to Matthew chapter 14. Get there in just a minute. I want you to respond to what the God, that God is calling us to be and, and really what God calls us to be as people of surrender. Uh, see, many of us think surrender, uh, whether uh, you're surrendering to God or whether you're surrendering to another person, whether you're surrendering to your boss, we think of uh, surrender, again, as a bad thing. We think of surrender as going into bondage. And in some ways, surrender is kind of a bondage if you're doing it to the world or if you're doing it to somebody that's going to lord over you. But biblical surrender is really speaking about freedom, not bondage. Biblical surrender talks about peace and joy and love coming in and invading your heart, not bondage. It's really walking away from bondage when we surrender to the Lord. When we surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ, we get to live the abundant life that Jesus Christ called us to live. We get to live the abundant life that Jesus Christ died on Calvary for us to live. So let's walk in that as you think about surrender today. Now, in the Bible story we're going to look at is Matthew chapter 14 again. It's a, I'm not going to read the whole story because I think most of you have heard it. Uh, Matthew chapter 14, Jesus sends his disciples out on the, uh, the sea. He, he, he just fed the 5,000 that did a crazy miracle there, and he sends them across the sea. He goes back, and he, he doesn't go with them. And they get out in the middle of the sea, and the storm comes in. And we had a storm yesterday. You guys get a pretty good storm yesterday? That storm pales into comparison to what these disciples are going through. The, it, the, the, the winds start kicking up. The waves start raising over the boat. They're getting shook all over. Think of Gilligan's Island, and the tiny ship was being tossed. They were going all over. They didn't know where to go. They didn't know where to turn. There's no life jackets. 
There's no Coast Guard to come save them. There's no radio to radio it in. They couldn't have checked weather bug to see what the weather was going to be like as Jesus sent them out. They're out there all alone in this ship. And these are fishermen, so they're used to being on the water. So it's not that they were scared of the water, but the, sh- the, the, the ship is just being tossed all over the place. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking out in the middle of the storm. And Jesus walks out and he says, peace to you. Peace be with you. Um, and he calms them. He doesn't calm the storm yet. The storm still rages, but he calms them. And don't let the familiarity of the story, don't, don't let it just kind of tune you out to what's really going on here. Jesus just walked on water. Anybody ever seen anybody walk on water? Nobody, but Jesus does. And he walks out, and then Peter, you've got to love the boldness of Peter. He says to you, and he says to Jesus in, in the King James Version, it says, Bid me come to you, Lord. Call me out to you, Lord. And so Jesus gets out of the boat, starts walking on the water. And here's where I want us to land. Here's where I want us to really focus in. And it's verse 30. Again, if you have your Bibles, look at that. Matthew chapter 14, verse 30. And it says this. It says, when he, <clears throat> but when he noticed the wind. Now, hold on one, one second here. It says, when he, Peter, noticed the wind. Now, all before this time, Peter had, has, had his eyes focused on Jesus, the one that's in control the one that he is sure of, the one that he knows can't fail, and the one who he knows will never let him down. But it says here, when he noticed the wind, far too often in our circumstances, as in the circumstance of Peter here, when we get in storms of life, we take our eyes off of Jesus, and we fix our eyes on our surroundings and our circumstances and the things that are going on around us that are all chaotic. And we lose focus of Jesus, and we focus only on those things. And our fear, fear sets in in place of our faith. Where Peter had great faith as he looked at Jesus saying, come, call me out on the water. Walks on the water because of his great faith in Jesus Christ. He then takes his eyes off and says, oh my goodness, I'm in the middle of this storm. What am I going to do? And fear sets in. It says, but when he noticed the wind, he was afraid. So fear sets in. Fear in place of his faith. And then it says, in beginning to sink. And notice the word beginning there. Beginning to sink. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Beginning to sink, he cried out to the Lord, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him. Now, now when I read this story, I just kind of read it like I just read it to you. Peter cries out. uh, I'm sorry. When he noticed the wind, uh, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, Peter cries out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reaches out his hand. But I don't think I don't think I don't think Paul's I don't think Peter's Lord save me was just the Lord save me. I think Peter's Lord save me was a Lord save me. It was it was a it was a Lord. I know that you are the only one that can help me out right now, Lord. I know that you are the sovereign God of the universe, and only you are going to come to my aid, Lord. It's only you. And he put his eyes back on Jesus, and his faith began to bolster. And then Jesus reaches out his hand and pulls him up. Now, I've been hitting the theme of surrender. But if you've noticed anything about this verse or, or anywhere in this chapter, the word surrender is never used. And if you want to do an even in-depth, more in-depth study of the New Testament, you will never see the word surrender in the whole New Testament. But what you'll see all through the Bible, weaved all through the Bible, is this theme of surrender, how the men and women, the great men and women of great faith in the Bible, all at their anchor had surrender, their surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ as a part of their story and really as the main part of their story. So surrender, although it's not mentioned here, it is, it is, it is uh, the theme, again, that is weaved throughout the entire Bible. Now, the word surrender, instead of the word surrender, we'll see words like this. We'll see submit to or a yielding to or a give oneself to or to come under the authority of. And submission here in the Bible is always to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So when we're talking about submission, we're not just talking about submission to anybody. We're talking specifically to the Lord Jesus Christ. Webster's Dictionary defines surrender like this. It says acceptance of despair, the act of admitting defeat, to relinquish control or possession under the threat of compulsion or demand, to give oneself, to give oneself up as to an enemy. But we're going to see that's not really what the Bible is talking about here. That's how Webster or the world would describe surrender. But God's not our enemy, right? God's not against us. God is for us. So we can't really even take the world's definition of surrender and put it into play here. Uh, but this theme of, of surrender really flies in the face of everything that w- the world would tell us, right? We don't see it in the movies, as I alluded to earlier. You don't see surrender happening in the movies. We don't, the, the advice that the world gives us is to, to, is to, to try a little bit harder. It's to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Just go out there and get yours. You go take that hill. You can do this. You alone can do this. You just got to try a little bit harder. But nowhere in Jesus' words does he ever say try harder. What Jesus usually does is he says get low. So the world says try harder. Raise yourself up. Even become egotistical. Even be very, very prideful of who you are because you got this. But the Bible says the exact opposite. The Bible says you don't got this. The Bible says we're weak. The Bible really outs every single one of us in saying that we are weak. We're so weak we need a savior. We need somebody to come and help us. We need somebody to pick us back up. So the way to get high in the kingdom is to get low. It's to get on your knees and to say, Jesus, I can't do this because it's, it's, it's only when we're weak can his, his strength be manifested in us. Second Corinthians chapter 12 says it, 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 it is when I'm weak. It is his power is made perfect in my weakness. So surrendering to the Lord, again, is not a bad thing, but the world is going to keep telling us, man, don't do that. Don't surrender. Don't fall down. Don't, don't give in. Don't give up. But the Bible, again, all over and over again, says the exact opposite. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 11:28. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Anybody need rest in here today? Anybody worn out? Anybody done just trying a little bit harder? Jesus says, come to me. I'll give you rest because as hard as you try to do this thing that we call following Jesus Christ, as hard as you try to be a disciple of his, it's not about you trying harder. It's about you giving it up to Jesus. It's about you giving it in. And the crazy thing is, is sometimes the church gets us backwards and the church will tell us to try harder. Again, the exact opposite message. That's religion, man. That's not a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus says, come to me. I'll give you rest because you've been trying too hard and you're still not going to get there. And you're never going to get there. But come to me. Come to me and we'll do this together. I'll bring you along. So you see the tension there, the world's way and and the Lord's way. It's always this this constant battle going on. Another thing that that makes surrender hard, which I alluded to earlier, is, is in surrender we have to give up control. Or really we have to give up supposed control because usually I'm not in control anyway. Whenever I surrender something to the Lord, as I look back on it, I was like, man, I wasn't in control of that at all anyway. My kids, I'm not in control of that. I got a one-year-old and a three-year-old. I, we got no control in our house. It's, it is, it's romper room in our house every single day. But we try and maintain that kind of sense of control. When my, when my life was completely out of control, my mom kept saying, I can fix you, I can fix you, I can fix you. And it was only when she gave up control to the Lord and said, Lord, you're going to have to do it, that she had peace in her heart. And so many times as we're trying to hold on to things and we're trying to make things right and we're trying to just, just pound it out. It makes it harder for us. And when we just give it to the Lord completely, then the peace comes, that overwhelming peace, that peace that surpasses all understanding is ours when we surrender to the Lord. So, again, this is not an easy thing. And that's why when surrender was mentioned to me, especially surrender to the Lord, I said, you've got to be out of your mind. I'm not surrendering anything. 
especially to the Lord. See, I had no concept of who the Lord was. I didn't grow up in church, never had any church background, had a great family, but no church background whatsoever. We went to a church two times. I went for a wedding and I went for a funeral. And the people that I did see that went to church, man, I wanted nothing to do with them because they didn't have a relationship. They had a religion, and I didn't want to come under that. I didn't want to come under the thumb of this God that I thought was against me, that didn't want what's good for me, this God that was overbearing and, and overprotective and just wanted to put me in this little box and not even let me live my life. I'm not going to surrender that. Are you kidding me? Because I didn't know who Jesus Christ was. And it was never really explained to me. So surrendering was a ridiculous thing. I'd rather just keep living the hell that I was living than surrendering to the Lord. And my life eventually did become quite horrible. But I was like, I'm not going to go that way. I've seen what that looks like. Man, I've seen when people surrender. I've seen it too many times in movies. I'm not going to become a slave. I'm not going to get ridiculed. I'm not going to get put under you. And so I rebelled. I rebelled against everything that was put in front of me. But again, this isn't the God that we serve. My ideas were completely wrong. My ideas were completely backwards of what surrendering to the Lord really looks like. Again, I didn't grow up in church. I had no concept of who or what Jesus Christ truly was. Most of the people that I run into and that, that, that me and Lindsay run into, they don't have any kind of concept of who Jesus Christ is. They know the name but they don't know the power. Right? They've heard the story, but they don't know the glory. They've been there, but they want to get here, but they don't know it's through a relationship and it's through surrender to Jesus Christ. The thought of surrendering, again, scared me to death, not even knowing what I was going to surrender to, not even knowing what people were asking me to surrender to, not knowing who the God of the Bible was. And this God who I thought was against me was not against me at all. This God that I thought was against me sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to live on earth, to die a sinner's death, to be raised again on the third day, taking full and complete control over hell, death, sin, and Satan, rose again, ascended on high, is seated at the Father right now, praying for you and me, praying for us. He is for us. He's not against us. That's the gospel message, but I had never heard that. I didn't hear the gospel message until I was 36 years old. Nobody shared that with me, so I kept had this crazy idea of it. One thing, when I did start reading the Bible, when I did get saved, one thing that completely blew me away was I'd read some verses in the Bible, and I'd be like, oh, my goodness, this is what I was running from. And one of those verses is Psalm 18:19. And if you can let Psalm 18:19 start to sink into your head, you will never think of God the same way again. Psalm 18:19 says this, He saved me because he delights in me. He saved me. Because he delights me. And I have no problem surrendering to a God or to a person that I know is delighting in me, right? No problem. That's, that, that took the whole concept of surrendering to this evil uh, a God that was against me. It took that whole notion off the playing field. He saved me because he delights in me. Say that to yourself. He saved me because he delights in me. He delights in you. The ESV version says it this way. It says he rescued me because he delights in me. So it's not even just about salvation, that moment of salvation. Sometimes we get stuck there. That's the only time I need to surrender, we think, in our heads. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. Keep coming back to me. Keep returning to me. He delivered me. Anybody need deliverance from something here today? He delivers you because he delights in you. And what's great, too, about the Lord Jesus Christ is he never asked us to do something that he himself did mirror for us in the gospel. So he's not going to say, go surrender but I'm not going to do that. I, I'm too big for that. I'm too good for that. Right? He says, go surrender, and I'm going to show you how to do it. I'm going to show you the perfect way to do it. In the garden, Jesus is, is, is drawing near to the cross. He knows what's before him. Hardest thing he's ever encountered. He knows what lies before him. He knows the cross is there. All of his friends have pretty much left him. They're there with the garden with him, but they're falling asleep. He's someone to pray. They're not even doing what he told them to do, so he's there all alone. He's wrestling with the Lord. 
saying, Lord, this is, this is too much. I can't drink this cup. I, I can't go through with it. I don't know how I'm going to do it. How am I supposed to take all this weight, all this burden, all this pain? How can I do it? But then he looks to the Father, and he remembers the promise of the Father. And he said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. That's a perfect surrender right there. Saying, Lord, I, I can't do this. Father, this is way too great for me. But your will be done. I'm going to lay aside my rights. I'm going to lay aside my will. I'm going to lay aside what I think should be happening here. And I'm going to do what you told me to do. And the beautiful thing is, is if you go way back, I was in, in about Matthew chapter 26. If you go way back to Matthew chapter 6, Jesus, when he tells us how to pray in the Lord's Prayer, he tells us really to say those exact same words. We all say the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So we exalt the Lord, put him high. And then the Lord Jesus told us to pray like this. He says, your will be done. Now, thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Really saying the same exact words that Jesus said in the garden is what he tells us to pray over and over again. So every time you say the Lord's prayer, if you say it rightly, you're surrendering yourself to the Lord. You can't say that prayer and not get to that point, that second verse of the Lord's Prayer, and not surrender your will and your kingdom to him. So when, we, when Jesus taught us how to pray, he was building us up to be, uh, to be people of surrender and to keep coming back to that over and over and over again. So again, in my life, many, many years running after the Lord, even, not even realizing who I was running from, not even realizing what I was running from, I was just running. And you, you put authority over me, I was going to run and I was going to rebel against it. I didn't even, I'd rebel against authority just because it was authority. I think when I was born, when I came out, instead of the doctor smacking me, I think I smacked the doctor. Every, from when I was a little kid, when, 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 when babysitters would come over, I'd rebel against them. When cops would come, when I had interactions with the police, I, I'd have a, a problem with their authority. When teachers were put over me, I had a problem with them. When my parents were put over me, I had a problem with them. Anybody that was in authority over me from a very, very young age, I had a problem with. And so surrendering never came easy to me. I was, I was running. I was, uh, I, was, I was doing everything I thought was right, but not surrendering my will to anybody else. I'm not giving up, man. You put the screws to me, I'm going to screw them right out from under you. That was my thought. That was how crazy my mind was. I thought everybody was out to get me, including God. Thirteen years old, my parents moved to a small town in Ohio from, I, was, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, moved to a small town in Ohio, and I Life really started to unravel there, and, and not only rebellious then, I, I ran into some guys that were into skateboarding and punk rock music, and, man, I went in a completely different direction. Drugs and alcohol from the age of 13 was happening every single day in my life. I don't say that to glorify any of that, but I'm just trying to tell you where I was and, and who I was and what God saved me from. So from an early age, was was heavily involved in that. Parents got divorced, lived with my dad, uh, with my brother, had a great great family, just just was completely out of control. Uh, had no framework of what life should be, had no, 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 no gospel-centered uh, framework of what uh, my life should be or what my family's life should be. My dad called me when I'm 22 years old. I was just getting there, 21 years old, um, looking at college, was in college, but wasn't, I was a political science major, but I knew I wasn't going to go uh, and, and follow that up. Um, my dad called me and he said, Mark, i got three months to live. He had just moved to Atlanta, Georgia. i got three months to live, and it shook my world. Tore me to, my dad was my hero. Everything, every, everything I wanted to be in a man was my dad. That's who I, I held in high esteem. He said, I got three months to live. He said, I remember he called me. He said, Mark, even, kryptonite, or even Superman has his kryptonite. And I'm like, what are you talking about, Dad? He said, I got cancer. He gave me three months to live. And sure enough, three months to the day later, he died. I moved to Atlanta. And 
he died and just it shook me and I ran. I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't deal with the, the pain, the guilt, the remorse, all of that stuff. And I ran to San Diego. I said, I'm out of here. And I moved to Ocean Beach, California, and my life got so jacked up there. I heavily got more involved in drugs. I didn't think you could get more involved in drugs and alcohol, but when I moved in there, man, I just got immersed in that culture. Again, never hearing the gospel message, never hearing anything good about God or the church. And my life continued to spiral out of control. My, my life was just a train wreck. My mom gets saved. She moved back to Iowa where she was from and started to pray for me in an alliance church. Some older ladies in that church started praying for me who had never met me. I knew it was, I was over then. Right, these older ladies start praying in the church, man, you don't have any chance. And it was, it was happening. It's, it's over. And thank the Lord for them, for those ladies. But I started getting in trouble in San Diego. It's just some small stuff at first, fights, uh, um, little things, a couple nights in jail, nothing too major. Uh, but drugs and alcohol just took a bigger grip and a bigger grip and a bigger grip on my life to the point where I can remember a couple times we'd go to parties and I'd show up at a party. And these aren't, these aren't just your, the people that you're running into around your town. These are people that are full-on alcoholics. Well, they're here, but you're not hanging out with them probably. They're full-on alcoholics, full-on addicts. Most of them aren't working. And I'm coming to, to their parties, and they're saying, man, you can't come in. You've got to be pretty messed up when the addicts are pushing you away. Because I'd come in, and I'd take their drugs. I'd take their money. I'd take whatever. I, if, you weren't, if I wasn't robbing from you, I was stealing from you. And they didn't even want me around anymore. And so I started to look at my life going, how in the world did I get here? You know when you're a kid or maybe in junior high or high school and you start dreaming about your future and you're like, man, I, I can see myself being this or I can see myself being here. Or I can see myself uh, doing really well. I'd do that a couple times as I'd look back at my life and I'd be like, man, how in the world did I end up here? So in uh, around 2003, I got a DUI in, in California and that kind of woke me up to what was going on in my life. Um, couldn't stop drinking, couldn't stop using drugs. So I called my mom, who was in Iowa, and she said, come out here, I'll get you in the treatment. I tried to get in treatment in San Diego, and I couldn't get in. So I flew out to, to uh, actually, she came and picked me up and drove me out to Iowa. I did some treatment there, but my life just continued to get worse and worse and worse. I was a total creep, man. Nobody wanted to be, wanted to be around me. I didn't even want to be around myself anymore. Uh, December 21st, 2007, everything changed. When I moved to Iowa, I got convicted. I broke into a, my neighbor's house uh, while they were still home. Never had a good career in burglary, apparently. <laughs> Don't break into your people's houses when they're home. Broke in. So I had, this, I had gone to prison once already. Been in and out of treatment. I did 18 different treatment facilities. Been in jail, tw- been in jail 12 different times. Been in prison twice. Still didn't get it. Kept telling myself I'm never going back there, but I never changed anything. December 21st, 2007, I was driving home from a friend's house drunk, got pulled over again. Uh, I knew it was my third DUI in Iowa, which is a felony. I was on parole for a felony. I knew the judge by name, and he actually, he knew me by name by that time, and I knew it wasn't going to be good. And so I go to this jail cell that night. Jail is packed, so they put me in my own cell, which is just a, a providence from the Lord. And I go into this concrete six-by-six six, uh, toilet here, a sink here, a little cold, uh, wet, orange suit on, not your clothes, it stinks, it's nasty, it's jail. And I remember I couldn't even, they give you a mat like an inch thick to sleep on, no pillow, the, the, the jail was full, so I didn't have anything, just had that mat. I remember I couldn't even get on the bed. I was just a heap on the floor just going, how in the world did I get here again? And what am I going to do? I had a son that was two years old from a broken relationship that I should have never been in. 
four days before Christmas, thinking I was going to spend it with him, and, and just that everything was falling quickly apart. And again, I couldn't get up off the floor. Tears just streaming down my face. And I remember saying this prayer. I don't even know where it came from. But I said, Lord, I don't, I don't know much about you at all. And right now, I don't know much about myself anymore. But I'll give everything I know of myself to everything I know of you, both being very little right now, if you would just come and help me. If you would just come and save me. Same words Peter uses. Come save me. And Jesus invaded my life that night. I, I wish I could tell you the walls fell out of the, down out of the jail and the, 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 the lights all flickered and everything crazy, but n- nothing like that happened. But what did happen is I had peace like a river that night and went to bed when I should have never been sleeping. I woke up the next morning. My mom brings me a Bible, unbeknownst to, to She had no idea what happened the, the, the night before. She brings me a Bible. I started reading it, and I couldn't put it down. Did another two and a half years in prison, got, got mentored by, got discipled by an ex-Muslim doing life in prison that saw me reading the Bible and said, Mark Porter, the only way out is through Jesus Christ, and he helped me get through it. I got, the, the, the night I got saved, I asked the Lord two questions. I said, man, why didn't anybody tell me this before? The second question I said is, why doesn't anybody, why, who's going to go and tell people in Ocean Beach, California about you? And he said, you are. So I went through, through prison, got out of prison, back to school, uh, through an alliance church. They helped me to get into Crown College, graduated, had a church in Iowa, kept feeling the call to come out to California. And in January, we came back out with my wife to, to California and our three boys uh, to California to plant a church in Ocean Beach, California. But after many, many, many years of running, I finally came back to the Lord. I finally surrendered to the Lord. Jesus heard me. Jesus saved me. Jesus invaded my life. Not because I'm anything good. Not because I did anything great. It's only because Jesus Christ is, is the greatest Savior that you could ever have. Only because of what he's done in my life. Can I stand before you today? He grabbed me. He held me. He comforted me. He, the, the one I had been searching for all along, the one I had been running for all along, kept coming and pursuing me. And he grabbed me that night and said, Mark, I'm never going to let you go. And love, love invaded my heart. And I tell you that story, and I want to reframe this back into Matthew, the, 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 the text that we looked at, because I hope that you don't go as far, or, or anybody you know goes as far as I had to go to turn to the Lord. You see, when, Jesus, when, 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 when Peter, actually when Matthew tells this story of, of Peter and Jesus, it says, when he, Peter, saw the wind, he was afraid, and he was beginning to sink, he cried out to the Lord. You see, many of us are so stubborn. It's not when we begin to sink that we cry out to the Lord. It's when we can barely breathe at all and we're all the way underneath the water. Then we decide maybe it's a good time to call to the Lord that can help me. And so I pray that as you hear this, you don't wait to the very end of your rope. Jesus will still hear you there. But how much easier would it have been if I would have started calling on the Lord way back here? How much easier would it have been if I would have called on the Lord here? How much easier it would have been even if I called and I'm here instead of waiting until I got way, way, way down here to where I could barely even breathe. So call to him early. And then another, another thing I want you to notice in that passage is it says that Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him. Jesus immediately, as soon as you call to the Lord, he's there. As soon as you call to the Lord, he grabs you. As soon as you call to the Lord, he comforts you. As soon as you call to the Lord, he's ready to come and to help you. As soon, immediately. He doesn't come and say, man, you should have called on me back here. He doesn't come and say with this list of things that you've done wrong and say, man, you, shouldn't, you should not have done this. You shouldn't have been here last night. Last week I saw you over there. 
doesn't come and say, man, if you would have just done this and done this and done this. He just comes and he says, come home. And I'm glad you're home. You know, let's walk this way. Let's turn from this way. And Jesus Christ is here to make you a new creation today. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is another one of those verses. When I read it, when I was in prison, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, that's, that's it. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. If anyone, is anybody in anyone in here today? If, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Old things are gone. Behold, all things have become new. Anybody ready for all things to become new in your life? Surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he wants to do that. But see, many times as we think about surrender, I'm going to tie this up here. Many times as we think in the church about surrender, we only think of the point of salvation. But surrender in the Bible is an over and over and over again process. You don't just surrender once. Usually I'm weak just about every day. And so I need to keep coming back to the Lord. I need to keep returning to the Lord. I need to keep coming and surrendering different things to the Lord, that unforgiveness that, that, that struggle, that worry, that doubt, that fear. One of the greatest things that a, a man says, I believe it's in Mark, or Mac, Mark chapter 10. Uh, he said, the Lord Jesus says this. He's about to save this guy's son. And he says, do you believe I can do it? And the man says, I believe, but help my unbelief. And that should be a banner for most of our lives because I believe, Lord, that you can do this. But there are some things I'm just like, I don't know, Lord. That's, that's pretty big. I don't know, Lord. That's, that's a little bit crazy. That's even a little bit too much for you. You can cure cancer, but I don't know if you can cure my knee, right? You can, get, you can get some people saved. You can save Mark Porter, but you can't save my son who's done even worse than him. You can get some people into that school, but I'll never get into that school. Now, Jesus Christ can do anything if you put faith in him, if you trust in him, and if, it's Ill, if you surrender your life to him. He wants to do these things. So as, as we walk this Christian walk, let us keep returning to surrender. Let us keep coming back. Let us come back to Jesus the same way we first came to him. We first come and surrender, and we need to keep coming back and surrender. The, 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 the coming to Jesus never changes. It's the same over and over and over again. So keep surrendering to the Lord. Surrendering is, that something, is something that me and you as Christians, we never outgrow, and it's because it's when we surrender to the Lord that Jesus Christ fully invades us. Jesus Christ is in us, is the hope and glory. It's Jesus Christ in me that makes me a strong man that can stand up here today and give that testimony. It's, a, it's Jesus Christ in you that makes you strong to go out and take on whatever you've got to take on after you leave this place. It's Jesus Christ in us, the hope and glory. Don't forget that. It's not you being strong. It's Jesus Christ being strong. It's, Paul says it like this. He says, I have to die daily to myself. I surrender daily. Lord, it's not going to be me. It's going to be you today. I'm going to lay it down at your feet, and only you can do it, and only you are the one that needs to be doing it. So keep coming back to surrender. Now, this might sound like a great challenge to you, and I hope it is. It's a, it's a godly challenge. It's a biblical challenge. But if I came up here and just challenged you today, in most of you, nothing is ever going to change. Nothing is ever going to happen by just having a good challenge. So I come up here today and give you this challenge, not to challenge you, but so that you will be changed by the words of Jesus through this challenge. If you just leave here challenged, again, you're not going to really do much with that. You leave here changed, you're going to affect your community, you're going to affect your family, you're going to affect the places you work, you're going to affect the places you worship. You're going to affect all these people around you. So my prayer today is that you don't just leave here challenged, but you leave here 
chains, that thing that keeps dragging you down, that thing that you keep stumbling over, that sin that you say will never go away, that idol that keeps you from fully engaging with the Lord, the, 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 the thing that keeps freedom and joy and peace and happiness, all those things away from you, whatever that thing is today, lay it down to the Lord. Spend some time with him in these closing moments and say, Lord, this is something I've been struggling with for far too long. And really by my track record of keep struggling with it, I'm not winning this battle. But I know you can. And I know you want to. And I know you want to give me freedom in this area of my life. So give it to the Lord, whatever it is. Lay it before the Lord. Surrender it and watch him do an amazing work in your life. Would you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord. I thank you so much for the Awakening Church, Lord. I thank you so much for Kerry and his heart to serve here, Lord. I thank you for the people that are here today, and Lord, I thank you for those that couldn't make it today. Lord, I pray for an outpouring of your spirit here in this place. Lord, I pray for freedom to come in this place, even right now. Lord, I, Lord, I just have a feeling that, 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 that this message wasn't just about me, and it never is about me, but it's about you. And, I, and this message even specifically is for somebody specific in this room today. Somebody needed to hear this message. We've all got struggles. Lord, I don't know a single, really, truthfully, I don't know a single person in here on a deep level. So I don't know what the struggles are, but you do. And even more than knowing, Lord, you want to help them out. You want to drag them out of the, of the dust and out of the mire that they're in right now and out of the pit and put them on solid ground, the solid ground of your foundation, which is Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you touch hearts. Lord, I pray that as yesterday, Lord, when the heavens opened up and the rain came down, I pray that you would rend the heavens today and that your Holy Spirit would pour down. In Temecula, Lord, in Marietta, Lord, all over San Diego, Lord, I pray for that in Ocean Beach as well, Lord, that you have an amazing, amazing work would be done. Lord, we come here because we love you. We come here because we worship you. We come here because you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, all things are, are, are available. Nothing is impossible through you. So we lay everything down at your feet. We ask these things in your mighty, your precious, in your glorious name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Love you. Mark, I have a I have a question for you. We we haven't rehearsed this, so, but I don't think we need to. You've been through you've been through enough, so you don't need to rehearsing. The timing of the grace of God when it came into your life in that orange jumpsuit in that jail in that tiny little room. When there were so many incidences, so many things that you went through, why do you think that he waited? to that point or you waited mm. to that point because you wouldn't have come to him unless the Holy Spirit right. was speaking exactly. to you at that exactly. moment. Yeah. So yeah. have you thought about that time? You no, know, I have. I, I, I talked with my mom over and over again. She, I mean, she'd been praying for almost 10 years for the same thing to happen. Yeah. Um, I think it was just finally at a point to where I got my eyes off myself and I finally saw Jesus for who he was, that the Holy Spirit did come in and said, this is who, God is not this guy again that's against you he's for you Um, and it was just at that moment of brokenness 
Um, like God started to put me like like a, I always see it as a as a as a as a, if you get a hundred piece puzzle box and just dump it out on the floor. That's what my life was before the Lord, and then He just started to put it back together slowly uh, in that moment in that jail cell. And I think a lot about the grace of God, and when it I know when it came into my life, and there are many people here that have accepted the grace of Christ into their life. Some may be in the room that are mm-hmm. considering that yeah. right now. Amen. You would think, because God is the initiator mm-hmm. of so many things, that he may have grabbed you earlier. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering if you would have had the same burden mm-hmm. for Ocean Beach mm-hmm. right. and the things that you are stepping back into if, he, if that would have happened earlier. Right, right. right. Uh, there's so many marvelous mm-hmm. things when you think about the timing and the work of God to consider in your life. Now, I'm not saying, oh, it's a good thing you waited and went through right. that, right. all that crap, you <laughs> right, know. Right, right. <laughs> I'm not yeah. suggesting that. But no. I was reading this morning. I read a morning devotional by John Piper. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, it just hit me as I was uh, thinking through it today. I think I just flipped to a different page, but I can remember it. It's from uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and 16. Mm-hmm. And it talks about that we can come to the throne of grace mm-hmm. boldly. You've heard that passage before. Throne of grace. In other words, our Lord is not on a cross. He's on a throne right now. Right? He's on a throne. And what is that throne called? It's called the throne of grace. Grace is what? It's unmerited favor. You can get something you don't deserve. So there, we can come to the throne of grace with, and there's a specific word in there, with confidence. With confidence. Yeah. Uh, you probably weren't very confident that yeah. night <laughs> in there. But no. now you recognize, in a way, you were. Right. I mean, right. it's like, I've got nothing else. Right. Right. There's nothing yeah. else this here. Is yeah. This is it. And the original word there where it talks about grace, to receive, it's called well-timed grace. Mm. Now, we don't read that in a lot of the Bibles because it's the way that it's worded, it's a little... A little tricky the way it comes out, but well-timed grace. So for all mm-hmm. of us here in the room, the grace of Christ coming into your life is well-timed. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, though, we keep putting it off, and maybe this is your time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This might be the time for somebody here today to be able to say, you know, I have, I have held back mm-hmm. too long. Mm-hmm. And you need to take that opportunity this morning. If God is speaking into your life at all, may you step into what is specifically well-timed mm-hmm. grace mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. morning. You heard a man's testimony today. That's a man's testimony. Mm-hmm. But the testimony of Christ wants to speak into your life. Mm-hmm. And you can take right now, you don't need any special wand or somebody touching you or whatever. And you can step into that well-timed mm-hmm. grace and accept it into your life. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, you need a church body to know about that. And I don't know if that's happening this morning for anyone at all. But I want us to pray mm-hmm. and just ask God to be able to to be open to interceding for us. Mm -hmm. He is open if you ask him. Mm -hmm. Let's pray that prayer. And if this is your moment, 
then accept it. It is it is way better than a six by six room with a toilet <laughs> and an orange jumpsuit. Jumpsuit. I'm not trying to make light of it. Mm-hmm. You know, your prison may be just as deep. Mm-hmm. It may not be physical, yeah. Yeah. but it could be just as deep. Mm-hmm. Mark, you already prayed, but I'd like to ask you to pray specifically mm-hmm. for that now, yeah. will you? Yeah, you bet. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, we do pray that you're stirring the hearts of someone here in this room today. Uh, Lord, as we just said, you immediately come to their aid. You immediately put out their hand, Lord. So I pray that if somebody is praying that prayer today, Lord, that you would immediately grab them, Lord. That you would touch their heart. That you would continue to open their heart, Lord. That you would give them eyes to see and ears to hear the gospel message, the truth of your message. That you are the only one by which we must be saved, Lord. You say if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts, that you would save us. Lord, we confess today that we need you. Lord, we believe that you raised, uh, that the, the Father raised Jesus Christ from the grave, that he's seated on the throne right now, that throne of grace that Bill talked about, Lord. Lord, invade the hearts of those that are praying right now, Lord. Shake their hearts up. If those that are, are thinking about it but are on the fence and don't know which way to go, go, Lord, push them over the fence. Lord, we know the time is short, but we don't know exactly when. But we know that today is the day of salvation, Lord. Today, salvation can come to this house. So we pray for those, Lord. We pray that the church body would come around, those men and women that would confess you, um, that you would strengthen them, that you would help them to, to push them into the right places and the right, uh, the right uh, classes. Lord, that they would have strong Christian relationships around them, Lord, and that they would affect their community as well. Lord, thank you for your promise of salvation. Thank you for your gift of salvation. Thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. That's a decision of your heart today. Here's my challenge. I hate to use that yeah, word anymore. Right. I don't that's know if I want to use that. You can use it. <laughs> all right. I would like you to find Mark. I know mm-hmm. a number of people will be talking to him mm-hmm. as he leaves. But stand there. Wait. Whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'd like you to talk to Mark yeah. today and tell him that that's a decision you made in your life. Mm-hmm. All right? Amen. So do that. Lindsay, come on up here, will you? It is, it's just been so exciting to get to know you guys over these months, and a few others have already had the privilege to get to know you mm-hmm. and what God's doing in your life. And uh, Lindsay's got a great story, too, because uh, she stood by this guy yeah. for, for a long time. And that's, that's remarkable mm-hmm. just, to, just to think about that and realize that mm-hmm. and watch the grace of Christ come in your life. I'd like to invite uh, the elders that are here. This morning, part of the church, to uh, come on up here. Come on, let's come toward the middle here. And uh, let's just surround this couple. We're going to pray for them. Some others? Absolutely. Some spouses? (laughs) All right. We're going to be praying for uh, Mark and Lindsay, and we're so thankful for them. Your ministry is already uh, developing, right? They're in Ocean Beach. We haven't heard a lot about it. Will you give us some reports? Yeah. You keep them coming back mm-hmm. so we get to hear about those things here. Because mm-hmm. uh, we can take ownership of a mm-hmm. ministry like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's why we're here as a church. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to pray. And then, Josh, I'm going to ask you to pray as well. Mm-hmm. Would you? Okay, you follow me. Our precious Lord and Savior. 
your well-timed grace is remarkable and everybody on this platform and so many sitting in this room can give testimony to that. Mm -hmm. That God, when you come walking into a life, it is such a marvelous thing. Mm -hmm. I pray, God, that we won't wait until our head's under the water Mm -hmm. and we're, uh, well, we're taking on water Mm -hmm. and can barely breathe. I ask, Lord God, that your mighty hand would be on this couple. Mm -hmm. And there are three boys. Mm -hmm. We pray protection for those boys. Mm -hmm. We pray that those boys will be not only witnesses, but tools used by you Mm -hmm. to uh, to gain entry into other lives. Thank you for Mark and Lindsay's willingness to, by faith, come, uh, to raise support, to move their family, Mm -hmm. uh, to get a job, to do all of those things. But whatever it takes Mm -hmm. so that the people in Ocean Beach, a number of other men and women going through the same thing, Mm -hmm. will come to the grace of Jesus Christ and have a testimony like this that can be multiplied into other lives. Mm -hmm. To you be the glory and the honor for that, Lord Jesus. Mm -hmm. Amen. God, thank you so much for Mark's story. Mm -hmm. But God, thank you so much more for your story that Mm -hmm. you're writing in Mark's life. Mm -hmm. And Lindsay, God, I ask you to... Just first be with their marriage. I ask you to strengthen it every single day. Because there's lots of things in Ocean Beach that probably want to rip that apart, God. I ask you to just be with their mission field, God. I ask you to soften hearts. I ask you to open up opportunities that Mark and Lindsay could have never seen even coming, God. I ask you to be with their church, too, financially, God. It takes money to do ministry, God. And I ask you that uh, we as a church here can support them, God. And I ask you to bring financial backers into their church and into their life that they can just... Grow this church, grow this reach, God, so much, God. Thank you for what you've done in this family already, God. And I just I thank you in advance for what you're going to do in the future, Lord. Mm-hmm. Be with their three boys. Help them to grow up to know you, God. Yes. And help just expand their ministry too, God. A one-year-old can start ministering in a nursery, Lord. Mm-hmm. And a three-year-old can do it <laughs> at school. And, that, God, I know you have a plan for their nine-year-old too. Just, mm-hmm. Lord, uh, thank you for the Porter family. And just, God, I ask you to expand the horizons what they can reach. Amen. 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 Thank you, brother. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, brother. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. It's a fantastic message. As the uh, worship team comes up and those uh, for the offering, ready to receive the offering. And again, uh, the gifts are not, uh, we're not giving back something that's ours. That's a myth. All right. We're giving just a small part of what's already God's. So praise, praise God as you uh, give the offering. And uh, thank you again, Mark. And remember the challenge. Talk to Mark. All right.